two, three. Everybody, this is His Holy Mess, Father Paul. Welcome back, you holy messes, to episode 24 of A Holy Mess with His Holy Mess, Father Paul. I am Padre Pio. Uh, that didn't make any sense. Paolo? Yeah, anyway, Don Paolo. Uh, yo, this is going to be, this is my first live podcast. And what I mean by live podcast, I mean in front of a live audience. Uh, this past weekend, as you know from last week's intro, I told you that I was going to Mesa, Arizona for a Catholic comedy festival, the St. Philip Neri Comedy Festival. I was freaking out about it. I was supposed to do a couple of podcasts there and 30 minutes of stand-up comedy, and it went awesome. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It went awesome, awesome, awesome. It was a great time. I have to thank Stephen Garone, uh, Catholic Comedy on Twitter and Kayla Garone for putting this together. And I got to meet a lot of amazing people, especially uh, the, the, my fellow performers who were there, uh, Ashley Strand, Topher Keen, The Catholic Man Show, and Jeremy McClellan. It was a blast. There was also a 15-year-old kid uh, who did stand up for his very first time, 15 years old. I was 14 when I first did it, as I told you last week. This kid, uh, I'm not going to say his name because he's a minor, 14 years old, 15 years old, did stand up comedy, and he did pretty good. I hope he keeps it up. Uh, I got to be a part of a comedy roundtable. I'm not sure if that'll ever be released, uh, but the Catholic Man Show, I'm pretty sure recorded that. And uh, man, it was really great. This episode is my interview that I did there. We did an hour long, well, maybe about 45 minutes with Jeremy McClellan, who is a professional comedian, a famous Catholic comedian. He literally wrote the course on Catholicism and comedy for Word on Fire, which is Bishop Robert Barron's ministry, Word on Fire. Uh, we're going to talk about it in the thing. I would definitely just Google it. Google Jeremy McClellan, M-C-L-E-L-L-A-N, Jeremy McClellan. Uh, he's on Twitter. He's on Facebook. And his Word on Fire course, Catholicism and Comedy. But check out some of his stand-up. I mean, don't watch his whole act, you know, on YouTube or whatever, because I want you to see him live, because I'm going to bring him to the Archdiocese of Newark. Matter of fact, uh, if you desire to see a Catholic priest do stand-up comedy, shout, give me a shout. His Holy Mess Podcast at gmail.com. That's his holy mess podcast at gmail.com. Check out the show notes. I'm going to have Jeremy McClellan's information on the show notes. I'm going to have my contact information on the show notes. Next week's podcast is going to be with the Catholic Man Show. So I'll talk uh, more about that then. Uh, but I just, I'm very excited. Thank you. It went really well. My full time ministry, obviously, I'm a Catholic priest. Uh, my full time ministry is with Catholic cemeteries for the Archdiocese of Newark. Uh, but when I'm able to do other things like this podcast or like some stand up comedy as a priest or give missions, give talks, I have a bunch of talks and I'm giving a parish mission in a couple weeks given uh, talks to uh, teenagers uh, this past week, religious ed, this Sunday upcoming for a youth group. So it's fun. It's kind of like traveling all over the place. Uh, it's kind of actually pretty interesting, pretty cool. Uh, and we're going to do an episode on Catholic cemeteries in a couple weeks as Easter comes up because it's all about 
the resurrection. So listen up. Uh, if you want to support, we're going to, uh, I still haven't gotten the cameras that I want to get uh, for the studio, get some backdrop in here. If you uh, feel called to support in any which way, shape, or form, you could uh, send a donation to at his holy mess on Venmo. That's at his holy mess, H-O-L-I-M-E-S-S, or at PayPal, a holy mess podcast, PayPal, a holy mess podcast. Listen, yo, there's a lot of ne negativity out there, a lot. Like, and I'm not just talking about like from atheists or agnostics. I'm talking about like from Catholics. I'm talking about like ridiculous criticisms on Twitter and social media and Facebook. Oh my, and I gotta be honest with you, it's not always from the left. <laughs> Woo, oh man. Uh, crazy, insane, insane, crazy. We gotta go to Christ in the Eucharist. We gotta go to Christ in the Eucharist. We got to go to Christ in the Eucharist. Can I ask you for prayers? Can I ask you to pray for a young man who died, 31 years old? His name is Ryan Calvi. Ryan Calvi. I say his name is, not was, because we believe that he's still alive, right? In the in the in the eternal life, in the arms of God. Uh, I had the honor of celebrating his wedding between him and his wife, Erin, just last July, last July of 2022, and I got a phone call a couple weeks ago from her and she told me the horrendous news that Ryan had passed uh, of a freak accident um of a skiing accident and I just can't I can't get out of my head I, I did the funeral I preached um but man a f talk about a family that's suffering uh I'm asking for prayers for him for the repose of his soul and I'm asking for prayers for his wife Erin for his um who is now a, a, a widow who needs our prayers. And of course, for, for Ryan's family, for his mom and his dad. And I'm sure that they would appreciate me asking for public prayers for them uh, right now at this time. So what a tragedy. Um, but we are the Easter people. We don't believe that death has the final say. I know we're in Lent now and we're not saying the A word, you know, uh, in the liturgy at least that is, but death is not the end the resurrection of jesus christ in the mausoleum one of the mausoleums the brand new expansion mausoleum in my cemetery uh is the resurrection that you've never seen the resurrected christ in a mosaic like this it's the only one in the world i haven't shown it to you yet because i want to show it to you near christmas uh easter time rather but it is glorious, and that's what Christ's resurrection is. It is glorious, glorious, glory, glory. Stay tuned. Hey, enjoy the episode. Do me a favor. Uh, rate the podcast. Share the podcast. Write a review. Rate it. Uh, do what you got to do. Holla. Peace. God bless. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Check. One, two, one, two. Three, four, three, four. Yeah, I got it. Check, check. 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 We're good. Checky? Checky poo? We're recording. Oh, checky poo. All right. Oh, we are recording. All right. So what I'm going to do, we're going to say a prayer right now. We're going to start every podcast with a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and to spread humor and joy. Lord Jesus Christ, be with us during this interview and for the rest of this St. Philip Neary Festival. Uh, thank you for the awesome improv that the children just did, uh, the talent that they have, and for everybody taking the time to be here today supporting Catholic comedy. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. All right, so welcome back, Holy Messes. This is episode 24 of A Holy Mess with His Holy Mess, Father Paul. We are live. This is my first ever podcast live in Mesa, Arizona at, is it pronounced Vertucci? Vertucci Farms? Vertuccio. Vertuccio Farms in AZ, Mesa AZ. Yeah. Can we get a clap here? Yeah. On my podcast, I have to ask for claps. The Catholic Man Show, they get them all the time. So uh, my guest uh, is Jeremy McClellan. Yes. Uh, yes. Hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm a comedian with the Archdiocese of Charleston. <laughs> That's what I say. That's Charleston, South Carolina. It's a good, the good Carolina. So, yeah, I'm glad to be here. This is great. Yeah, thank this you. Is, uh, it's not my first time. I was in Phoenix two weeks ago for an event. Uh, but it was it was not a Catholic event, so it was, it was it's nice to be back. Dude, I was in Phoenix two weeks ago. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, for a different event though. Okay. Probably not the same one. Yeah. yeah. Pro probably not. Yeah, as, uh, at all. So, um, all right, Jeremy McClellan, you are a, a comedian. Uh, we, people live, maybe they they know who you are, maybe they don't. My the, the listeners that I have, about the five or six listeners that I have, may yeah. or may not know. Okay. Uh, who you are? Sure. So, who are you, Jeremy McClellan? Who <laughs> are you? are a comedian. You're a Catholic comedian. That's right. Or do you consider yourself a Catholic comedian or a comedian that happens to be Catholic? Well, I, I was a comedian before I became Catholic, so okay. I don't know if that if that makes a difference in right. how you how you. But I don't like Catholic comedian. If you identify yourself as that, it sort of sounds like you're like 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 a Christian rock, you know. And it's like you get a discount; you don't have to be as funny or something. But like, so I don't know. Like I, I'm I'm a comedian. I'm a Catholic. Like I, but at this point, you, you yeah, you can call me a Catholic comedian. The question is, are you funny though? Yeah, well, we'll see. Okay, all right. I think you are. Personally. I'm not gonna just be funny on command. Let's uh -huh. just chat and then I'll be funny. All right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't want to. Yeah. I yeah. I know. I did that on purpose. Yeah. Uh, no, seriously. Uh, I came to know you because you have done uh, a course on comedy, Catholic yeah. Catholicism you and comedy. Put the mic closer. I, I can't. Can you guys hear him? Okay. All right. If I do any more, I'm going to, like, rap. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, so, uh, you down with... Okay. Uh, you did a course with the Word on Fire Institute. Yep. Mm -hmm. Bishop Barron's Institute. What's the name of the course? The course is on Catholicism and comedy. It's on humor as a virtue. And so, the course is structured... Uh, you can go to Word on Fire, and uh, uh, you, can, you can watch it. Um, and basically, like, each course... Each, each lesson in the course is uh, a different virtue and how humor relates to it and how the how how that how the virtue of humor relates to that virtue like the seven virtues it's like each of the seven virtues is, is a course there's so there's seven seven classes and like so how like courage helps humor and then also how humor helps courage so okay yeah, yeah. i have taken it i have one more session to go there's seven i've taken the six out of the seven i got and then one there's more a to test go. there's an exam at the there end there is an exam so it's, it's very yet. good it's yeah. very, well i was like how in the world could i meet him and interview him and not take his course right you know that would mean? be very that would be disrespectful awkward just like very the catholic awkward. man show yes yeah very. <laughs> they haven't taken my course yet oh so. um all right so how did you get chosen to do this though like did you personally make bishop baron laugh and he was like i must have yeah i must have he's a nice guy though uh it's not hard to make him laugh he's he's nice um but no i i got booked to do some events that were like word on fire events and the people there like the ceo and stuff they liked me and so they were interested in what i had to say they had read some stuff that i had written they followed me on twitter and we just related for a while and then they asked me to do the course and so yeah 
I think and then you write the course. Like, you have to write it. And then, like, send the script in to, like, the, the index. Like, whatever. Like, the magisterium of Word on Fire. <laughs> to, like, review the course and make sure you don't say anything heretical. Yeah. And then they come back with a bunch of notes from somebody you don't know. Yeah, did they redact it? They did a little bit. Okay. Yeah, they said, like... Well, I was talking about, like, God being, like, beyond being. And, like, so, like, part of part of uh, comedy is, like, apophatic. It's, like, you learn things and then you unlearn them. Like, that's part of comedy is, like, that process. Apophat? Apophatic. Oh, and so there's, there, it's, uh-huh. like, it's, like, negative theology. God. Where you're talking about, like, negative theology is all about what God is not. And you're sort of unlearning what you know about God to, like, get to, like, get your mind past that. Sure. Right? And so you can have a genuine encounter with reality. And the, the thing I was talking about was like humor is like that, where you're, you're like you're deconstructing stuff yeah. and you're deconstructing social interactions, social rules, things like that. And you're deconstructing them in, I think, the hopes that deconstructing them will then enable you to move past them and have a, a more genuine encounter with with reality. Uh, but uh, they said I, or the, they when I say they, I mean like some guy that they had read it said it sounded agnostic and so i had to like make it sound more like no no no. when we say that we know god we do know god right yeah but yeah. but we don't know him in his like as he knows himself okay right there's a limit to our knowledge right so like on this side of the veil we know god but like through a glass darkly right but but like when you love someone like the love does get to god right so when you love god it's like like my wife, right? I know my wife, right? But there is a sense in which I'll never like really know her like fully, like as she as God knows her, right? Cuz in order to Right it, now you see as in, as if in a mirror. Yeah, right. One right, day face right. to face. Right. And so like I want to know my wife, and so there is a sense in which I don't know, I don't fully know my wife. But that's very different from when I didn't know her before I met her. Right? Yeah. Like you get past like so like part of Part of theology is like learning about God. That's like the cataphatic theology where you're learning things about God. And then there's the apophatic theology where you're like deconstructing that. But then you're also deconstructing the deconstruction. And so like you're, you're eventually getting to the point where like you actually do have a genuine encounter with God. Uh, th- these are the biggest words ever used yeah. on my podcast before. Yeah, I'm sorry, and everybody. Two different times. I was just trying to explain why the, why they, why well, the person said I sounded agnostic. if you noticed it, the word fat was in that twice. Yeah, cataphatic. I, I was, was yeah, talking I was, to me. I was, yeah. I try to make this funny as fat well cats, as informational. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how did you end up passing the agnostic test? Oh, I just, I just said, I said in there that like the things that we say in the creeds are true. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I mean, to me, this is a big deal, and which I th- I thought went without saying. Yeah. But it turns out it does not go without saying. So, I'll say it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know of other than you know Stephen Grown, Catholic comedy, Mrs. Catholic comedy. Like, I have never really seen anything in the Catholic Church on comedy. So when I saw your course, like that was a big deal to me. Yeah. That that was like a, a sign of of hope. You know, not yeah. for me personally, uh, of course, I, I was like, holy cow. And like so many people sent it to me, yeah. like even though I already saw it. And so have you found that it has gotten a really good reaction? Yeah, you know? it has. It has. Okay. Right. And I think I think part of it is that like I don't treat comedy or art in general as like a form of apologetics where I don't see comedy or jokes as like just like a, a means of evangelization and in the, in the sense of like being funny while you're trying to convert somebody, 
right? Like not as a tool of propaganda. Like uh, you know, I I see it as bigger than that. It's it's part of it's just how how life is, yeah. you know. And so I wanted to approach the course that way. I wanted to talk about comedy. Uh, I wanted to talk about insult comedy and how much I love that, right? And how like what it means to like insult people that you love, like because every relationship involves banter and like insults. You is, know, is, is insult like comedy a loving okay? insult? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, but like w w when you, you know, I was talking about this earlier, that like every friendship involves that, right? Every marriage involves picking on each other and making jokes about each other and stuff like that. And they might be the same topic as like a bully making fun of you, right? So like making fun of you for being fat, right? If somebody makes fun of you for being fat, uh, then like you, you can't ask like, is that okay or not, right? The, the question is, like, are they doing it to, like, put you down, like, to make you feel, like, lower than them? Or are they someone who loves you and, like, that's banter, right? And they don't, and they don't see that as making you unlovable. And so, like, I think that's, th there's something beautiful about roasts. I'm a huge fan of roasts where, like, yeah. you're, you're in a group of comedians. And these are, like, professional comedians who are, like, professionally making fun of you for, like, the things that you didn't know that like people knew about you like you know like things that you didn't know that they like stuff that you're insecure about but like oh people don't notice that and like they, yeah they do and like there's something beautiful about just getting destroyed and then at the end like you're your friends like you're you you're like hanging out afterwards and you're like oh those things that they were pointing out about me they're making fun of me for those things don't make me unlovable those are just things like you know and so i think that can be a source of of healing and like peace if you embrace it the right way. Amen. Amen. I, I mean, I just want to personally thank you for doing that. I'm grateful that Word on Fire asked you to do it. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, a lot more. I would encourage you to take the course very much well, well worth it. But how did you personally get started in comedy? As you just said, you were a comedian even before yeah. you became Catholic. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I lived in Chicago for a while after college. And uh, at the time I was working with people with disabilities. That's what I did before I became a comedian. And uh, but I had friends at like a local bar that were comics that I were like friends with either for, either from from like my childhood or whatever for like amateur comics. And so I started doing open mics and an open mic, if you don't know, is just there's a microphone and you can sign up and you get to go and you get five minutes to say whatever you want. The goal is to make people laugh and like uh, and, and, and anyone can sign up. And so like. That, that's like the bread and butter, like the core of like the lifeblood of comedy. Because even when you're an established comedian who you think that you know how to write that's funny, you don't know that something's funny until you say it, until you say it on stage. Um, and so as like an established comic who has hours of material, you still got to go up, do open mics, and like, you know, try it out. And try out the material, see what lands, and then throw away stuff that doesn't. You know, it's like 1% of what you write is going to be great. And so you just got to find it, you know. How long did it take you before you started to become like confident on stage and like, like hey, like, maybe like, I could do this like for a two while. weeks, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It took a while. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I figured out pretty quickly like how, how to write, and uh, I was getting better each time. You didn't know I, I how could to write see myself that? how to write jokes. Okay, you know gotcha, how to right. how to structure material, how to have cadence, you know, and like those things. Writing came naturally to me. Um, but like the cadence of it, the performance of it, being on stage, like that stuff you had to learn, you know? Yeah. I, I liken it to like sort of like an RPG, 
you know, those like a like a role playing game where like each each character starts out as like a barbarian, for example, and like the barbarian starts out and their strength bar is like all the way to the top, but they're not fast or anything. And I think every comedian starts out being like maxed out on one thing. Like they got one really good strength and they got to like pay attention to the other things. Mm. And so, so like some comedians start out and they're like great stage presence, but like they don't know how to write like material very well or they're like really good at crowd work and banter with the crowd, but they don't, you know, like as far as structured material, they're not good at it and stuff. And so you got to fill in those gaps and like you're always going to be strong in one of them. But like, you know, and so for me, it was writing. I knew how to write jokes and you go up there and you sort of recite them. And you got to learn to not do that and, you know, actually perform. Did you bomb a lot in the beginning? Uh, I mean, I always had some stuff in, in the sets that worked. Because, um, like, I knew that I thought it was th- something was funny. But it wasn't. I didn't bomb enough to, like, discourage me from getting back up, if that makes sense. Like, uh, I, I, was, I was always delusional enough to keep getting back on stage and keep performing even if people didn't think something was funny. So it, it delu- delusion is a necessity for comics? Yeah. There has to be a kind of, like, you know... Not not total delusion. There needs to be a, like a, a balance there because if you're totally delusional, like I knew I knew guys in like the like the local comedy scene who would go on stage and perform and they would bomb. No one would laugh, and then they would get off and be like crushed it, you know. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, that's good. And they're never gonna get better, right? Because you need that like suffering. You need to feel that suffering when people don't laugh. Or when people don't laugh as much as you think they should, you know. But but you also need the feedback. So like if there isn't if there's like a broken feedback loop, then you're never gonna get better. At the same time, you have to I mean, it's not actually delusion. What it is is hope. It's it's the belief that like you can like after you get off stage, I used to, I used to joke that like I'm like well, like one of my skills as a comedian is I know exactly what to say on stage for any crowd the second I get off the stage, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Like after after I get off the stage, then I'm like, that's what I should have done. I should have like like that's the material I should have done. Those are the jokes I should have told. It's not what I did, but okay, I'm good. And like that kind of uh, like like each time you should know like okay, how would I do that? So like. Even tonight, like I, I have a list of the jokes I'm going to tell, right? And when I get off stage, at some point tonight, I'm going to go and I'm going to circle the ones that, that like didn't get a strong response. And I'm going to take a, 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 a picture of it with my phone. And then at some point, like later, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tag it Catholic. And then like next time I'm working on a Catholic set, I'll have that like feedback, you know? And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that I won't do the joke again. It might mean like I'm going to rework it. Maybe I'll like you know, tweak the, the phrasing or maybe like put one part of the story in the beginning, like Tarantino it until the end first or something. I don't know. Like, so it really is a craft. Yeah, it is. It really is. A, it's not like, I th- cause I think that some people think like, Oh, I'm funny. Maybe I'll just go on stage right. and, and riff. And maybe some people could yeah. do that, but there really is an art to it. Yes. You know? Um, so, it, all right, so you said, you know, I'll tag this Catholic, which is, I think, a good segue. Now, in, in the Word on Fire series, you publicly said, I have a, uh, I don't know if you said mostly or a major Muslim audience. Oh, yeah, I have a lot of Muslim fans. You have yeah. a huge, huge yeah. Muslim yeah. fan base. Yeah. How did that happen? I'm sure maybe many people know, but yeah. how did that happen? So before I became a comedian, I, was a, I worked with people with disabilities from the age of, like, 15 to the age of 30. Um, and then... Like Jesus, I quit my job <laughs> to travel around <laughs> talking to people. You know, quit, quit my day job, and and uh, 
And but like during that time, I was the caregiver to several people who were Pakistani Muslim. And it was my job, like as their Christian caregiver, to like help them be good Muslims, which is a weird relationship to have. And, and like and the relationship goes both ways. I mean, like Muslim caregivers taking Catholic kids to, to mass and stuff, you know, like it's, it's a weird relationship to have with someone. And so I had to learn all about the culture and the religion and everything. And then when I became a comedian, I was talking about that talking about like you know differences between like Muslims and Christians talking about like Pakistan Pakistani food Pakistani culture like stuff about Urdu which is a language they speak all this stuff and uh, and at the time like it, it started going it was online and a lot of it went viral like in the Muslim community in the Pakistani community made a bunch of friends got to do a bunch of shows um, got booked a lot and then and then I went and I did like several comedy tours of Pakistan and like that was like like huge and like amazing and like it was the greatest experience of my life really how long and was my it? wedding but like you know it was your, it was really that yeah. it was really the tours of pakistan honestly all right so let's just ask a question that maybe is a little uncomfortable to ask because i think right oh, away please you know no the people you know there's there's misconceptions maybe misinformations maybe you know of uh judgments biases and it seems like that you were put in a possession where you're a Christian and you're yes. working with Muslims. Yes. And it's almost like that the like a bridge. You know what I mean? Because sure. I think there's some misconceptions or some fears. Did, how, I mean, is yeah, there anything that you it's could beautiful speak to, to build bridges. No one walks across them, but like it's beautiful to build bridges. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, wait. So what was the question? No, basically. Okay, so it's like, oh wow, okay, a Christian working with Muslims, sure, a, yeah. a Catholic comedian touring Pakistan. Yeah. You know, is there anything that like people are like, wait, wait, what do you mean? Like, can you do that? Or like yeah. biases or fears or anything? Like, is there anything that Sure. Okay. I mean the the fear I guess like I'm so much of a comedian that like the only fear I had was not doing well <laughs> like on stage. <laughs> like I'm like, okay, so if people get mad or like someone tries to kill me, first of all, that'd be a great story. Like assuming it doesn't but like, even if it, even if they succeeded, I'd be a martyr. Like, yeah, yeah. But but exactly that. Though, that'd be awesome. I think that automatically, though, right? Because of certain things, obviously huge things that have happened. Yeah. We take one people and label them. We label right, but they're human beings, right? They're sure. They're not all just like not every most Catholic, of them. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like yeah, that's true. But like at the same time, like I mean, Muslims that I know love talking about religion. Uh. I mean, they love it. <laughs> so, like, it's... But, like, what you have to do is you have to keep... And this is true in general. Like, no matter what kind of culture or religion you're interacting with, like, do not pretend that there are no differences. Do not start out by, like, pretending that we're all the same or whatever. And But also, like, don't look up online, like, a list of rules for interacting with their culture. Mm. Like, what you do is you just have to learn how to, like, jump into the water and swim. Like, you know, but you jump first. Right. And so how do you be around a culture, learn quickly, learn about stuff? And then you can tell whatever material you want uh, as long as it's from your perspective. Right. They can't argue with something that's like your perspective that you keep like that. It's that it's it's your perspective. So like like th they might be offended if you if you were to joke about like, well, the Quran says this and then the Bible says like that would be some like hack like comedian material right but like if you tell a story about the first time that you read the quran what, are they going to argue that that's not true that that didn't happen like so if you keep it f like first person perspective right then like you're fine but i don't know i mean i am the only person in the world 
like touring Muslim, like you know, perform like Christian performing for Muslims. So like, I so I I say it like it's obvious, but like I I don't know. I mean, like I think you have to build goodwill. You have to like respect the differences. Okay. And uh, learn and like um, like do you know what a Turing test is? Like in AI. So like a, like a Turing test is like a computer or AI passes the Turing test if they can convince you that they're a a, a human, right? Okay. And so, uh, but there's another thing called like the ideological Turing test or like the religious Turing test where like, do you understand Islam well enough to like pretend you're Muslim around Muslims and have them think you're Muslim, right? And like, or or write an article defending Islam, like, from the perspective of, of a Muslim, and have Muslims who read it think that it was written by a Muslim, right? Yeah. If you actually understand Islam, you should be able to do that. Okay. Like, that's the test. Is like, and if you don't, like, if you can't do that, if they're like, yeah, you're fake, like, it, you know, right away, then, like, then there's something wrong with your understanding, right? You should be able to do that if, if you actually want to have opinions about something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, and you see that all the time in like political discourse or whatever, like left and right arguing with each other. It's like, okay, why don't you just, for the sake of argument, make the opposing person's argument and see if you can, see if you can do that and see if you understand it. And most people can't, right? And but like doing that, like actually, so like, like the Muslims that I know at least, I know a lot. I know a lot of really conservative Muslims. Like they're not offended by me disagreeing with them. They want to talk about it forever, right? Like what what they would be offended by is if I acted like a know it all but didn't know, and was just making like one on one mistakes about stuff. Okay. So you got to actually be educated, and that doesn't mean being educated like elsewhere and then and then you interact. Yeah, it means just being open and asking, like figure it out, like tell tell me about this, and and like people everywhere are very excited to tell you about like their about themselves, their beliefs. Like very few people, unless you're online, get offended by that. Like, they want to know. But you have to just be open. You have to just, like, tell me what you believe, and then I'll try to understand it. And then I'll disagree with it. But I want to understand it first. No, I think that's beautiful because I think a lot of people, like, they And they are wrong, just so everybody has <laughs> just, uh, just to be clear. They are wrong. That's amazing. They are wrong. And I, I say they're wrong. But, like, they know I think they're wrong. Like, that's, that's not news. And they news. let you tour their country. That's not news, Yeah. No, when you can, because you're a convert. I don't know how many yeah. people know that. What were you about? I was a uh, Calvinist. I'll talk about it in my set. But like, yeah, I was, okay. I was a, I was in the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, and uh, I, I became Catholic uh, four years ago. Just four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. Okay, well, I, but I but get... there was a long. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and um, I didn't have to ask for that. Yeah. And and then uh, yeah, so then um, but like that was the third time that I had almost become Catholic. So it was like Samuel hearing the voice of God or something. Yeah. Like it's like um, uh, where like I wanted to become Catholic in college. I kind of read my way into the church, and then I was like, but you don't have to like become Catholic. I can just believe it, right? I can just have the thoughts in my head and be like eclectic and like you know little of this little of that of every denomination kind of thing and then uh and then i went and i as part of being a caregiver was i i lived at a large community for three years in chicago not large no large, large. l apostrophe a r c h e which is a community of catholic 
like basically group homes for people with disabilities. And uh, I did that for three years and almost converted then. Uh, and then like my mom cried and like she didn't want me to become Catholic and so I was like, okay, I won't, <laughs> right? And <laughs> and then and then the third time was like four years ago. I you know realized uh, that I'd, I I I think what it was is that I realized that like having Catholic beliefs wasn't enough. That it wasn't like Catholicism is not like a belief in about the Eucharist, for example. It's the Eucharist. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. not like like St. Thomas says, like 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 propositions don't terminate in other propositions. They terminate in the reality that they describe. So like like transubstantiation is true, but like we don't worship transubstantiation. We worship God. Yeah. Christ. Yes. Right. And so like once I realized that, that like, oh, the difference between Protestants and Catholics is not that Protestants don't believe in the real presence and Catholics do. It's that. Catholics have the real presence, <laughs> right? Like it's like, and ca like Protestants don't to whatever degree that one has it in Protestant. I'm not like, you know, shaming or anything. I'm not saying we have something you don't blah, blah, blah. But which, I, but like, which is true, but it is. Yeah. But like, uh, well, there's like a spiritual communion. I know. There's I a, know. There's I'm a spiritual. Yeah. Funny. So I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. Cause this is being recorded and I don't, you know, my mom listens to all this stuff. So, uh, yeah. Hey, unless you retweet this about, but I'm like, I will people. if All someone right. tags me in something and says something good yeah. about me. I'm yeah. like, dopamine t retweet. Yeah, amen. You know? Get a holy mess yeah, out absolutely. there. Absolutely. You hear that? Yeah. Right. No, but like, so I realized that like, you know, Catholicism was not, and part of this was hanging hanging around Muslims because Islam is not. I don't. I don't want to like essentialize it too much, but like, it's not a list of beliefs about Muhammad. Or the Quran or God or whatever. It's a way of life. Like it's a deen, they call it. Like deen okay. is the word for like it's a way of life. And uh, like it, it'd be weird for someone to be like, um, so I changed my beliefs to Muslim. Like, okay, but like do you pr pray five times a day? Do you like fast? you do Ramadan? Have you gone on Hajj to Mecca? Like do you, do you like give, you know, the five pillars, right? And uh, so for like for Muslims, it, like religion is a way of life. They haven't outsourced all of their way of life to like the state or the market like we have, right? Like, because Christianity, and then I was like, okay, so Christianity used to be like that. I mean, as a Protestant, I wasn't thinking, you know, I was thinking like, okay, well, why is my belief system so spiritualized? Why do I, especially Calvinism is a very intellectual, it's like a religion started by a lawyer, right? So like, it's very <laughs> much like, it's very much were like... Were you active as a Calvinist? Yeah. You were? Okay. Yeah. I mean, whatever being active as a Calvinist means. Well, no, like, you know, there's people I went that to, are I went to church. That, yeah. yeah, okay. There's okay. Catholics that don't. I went to church. Yeah. I shopped. I think those are the, the main sacraments the two, of, of <laughs> Calvinism. <laughs> I was a merchant, you know, Lord whatever. Ever. He said it, not me. But, like, yeah, so, like, like, so then I was like, okay, well, partly, like, you know, interacting with Muslims, I was like, you know, Christianity used to be a way of life. It used to be way more, and like, and then, and then, it, and then, eventually, it was just like, okay, I don't, I actually need. Uh, and then I, I, I read this quote by by Pope Benedict that said that um, uh, Mary has lost. Uh, Pro Protestants don't have a devotion to Mary because uh, they've turned their faith into an abstraction, and an abstraction does not need a mother. 
And I was like, oh, and that just killed me in like my childhood. I just like got in there, you know? And so like that and like just, it, 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 it all reached ahead and then I converted, right? And then I was like, okay, I got home and I was like, I told my wife who was uh, raised Catholic, but was kind of lapsed at the time. Uh, Cause I was so in the air about everything. And then we both even, you know, came back to the Catholic church. And so, uh, and the good thing is that this time when I told my parents that I was converting, they were like super glad it wasn't to Islam. Oh. <laughs> and there was no was crying. There was, I, I even played it up a little bit. I was like, mom, I'm, I'm decided to convert to Catholicism. I had a little gap in there. So just to scare her a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, uh, yeah. So if anyone here is thinking about becoming Catholic and wants to like ease it in, that's How what you do. Hang out with the Muslims and then they'll, so your your Muslim fan base already knew you were Christian, but yeah. when you became Catholic, did it change anything? No. Okay. Because right. because they don't know the difference. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, like like, well, mo well mo most of them don't. It's like you know, if you had a Muslim friend who was like, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm not Sunni anymore. I'm Shia," you'd be like, "Okay." Like it wouldn't necessarily like be a huge thing, and like most of like people that I know who are Muslim like grew up going to catholic school like catholics are the main christians they have they have exposure to okay and so a lot yeah. of them thought i was catholic oh they already did. so yeah so yeah. interesting so all right we're, we're gonna have a live comedy show soon but i didn't realize so you're only catholic for four years and you're basically the voice of catholic comedy yeah in america that that's but that's because i'm a convert and con yeah. converts are crazy yeah it's like the most the most patriotic people in america are like immigrants Okay. Who are like, who like escaped something and got here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so they're like, yes, America. And that's, the, that's what being a convert is. Because you, you switched from something. So there's got to be a reason. Whereas like, you know, being a cradle Catholic is like being like born in America. You don't have to pass a test for your citizenship. You were born here. You're, you can just coast, you know, it's fine. So, yeah. Is there anything... I, I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit earlier. We had a, um, for those who weren't here, we had a round, like a comedy roundtable talking about comedy and stuff like that. But for, for this podcast, is there anything, when you hear Catholic comedy, like this is a Catholic comedy festival. Sure. Is there anything like different or inherent about Catholic comedy that's different than any other type of comedy? Or are there rules that, you know, you got, one's got to follow or, or things like that? Anything that you found? Well, there's rules. But I think those rules would apply even if I wasn't here, right? Like, okay, at a Catholic comedy festival, don't commit blasphemy. And it's like, well, but, like, that doesn't mean that it's okay for me to do it at, like, other shows. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know? So, like, so obviously, like, the topics are about Catholic topics. And then, uh, like, it's clean, but I work clean, like, at other events, too. So, like... Uh, I think just this, like the like the choice of topics probably, or like the fact that the people performing are like openly Catholic and like actually go to mass. I don't know. Now, now that you are with Word on Fire, you have that course. Like, are you doing more events in in, yeah. in our country yeah. with different things? And um, uh, do you more find Catholic events? Yeah, more Catholic events. Are there like many ca other yeah. Catholic comedians or just the, oh like the Catholic comedians? I mean, yeah, there's 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 several. But, like, in terms of, like, self-identifying as Catholic and, like, you know, actually trying to make a living doing comedy, it's pretty it's pretty rare, I'd say. Yeah, but you're able to do that. Sure. You're making a living doing yeah. comedy. Yeah. Catholic comedy. That's amazing. 
Yeah, so that's awesome. Uh, I don't normally do this, but because it is live, before we end the, the actual interview, anybody have a question? Yeah. Anybody want to have a, a little Q&A? Question for Jeremy, question for me. Uh, we didn't prepare this at all. The moment I knew I wanted what to was do the, comedy. The question was, all right, there you go. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think, uh, I mean, the first times, the first few times I did it, I was drunk. This is pre-conversion, but, like, you know, you get drunk to, like, get up the courage to go on stage. And so I probably don't even remember, like, the moment. But, like, I think a few times performing, I was like, yeah, I want to do this. So... Uh, and was that mostly in Chicago? Did you practice? No, that was that was in Charleston. All right, so you that yeah, was after moving back to Charleston. So all the open. So mics. I squandered my time in Chicago by like not wanting to be a comedian. How long did it take you to go from being an amateur comic not getting paid to like your first paid gig? Well, I mean, like you get paid like a little bit, like at gigs, like you know, maybe you, in Charleston. Well, no, you started an open mic. And then, like, you start doing gigs, and you'll get like twenty dollars, right? Yeah. Or like, yeah. but actually, a lot of. Uh, a lot of comedians have like a lower life expectancy, like alcoholism and drug use is like really rampant in our community. And uh, when I started, I drank. I don't drink anymore. But when I started, I drank. And part of the reason is that like for a while you're getting paid in like drinks, like like <laughs> like, like like bars will have you perform, and they're like, we'll pay you in poison. And you're like, great, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, and you feel like there's like that sunk cost fallacy yeah. where you're like, I'm wasting money if I don't drink this, if I don't use this drink ticket. So like, so, so you, so, so you drank. And so, uh, but then, you know, like after like a year or so I was doing like, you know, local stuff, you know, consistently. And then I had like a big, a big event, you know, you get like a few hundred dollars. Whoa. And then that's like a huge thing to do that. And then like, um, yeah, but then I, so I started doing stand up in 2013, uh, was like open mics. Right. And then in 2016, uh, it was it was right after I got married. Um, it's like a few months after I got married. Uh, I, I, qu I quit my day job to do it full time. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. I, I have to ask this question because I wrote it down. It wouldn't be it w just wouldn't be a good interview. It would not be a good interview if I didn't ask. You have a huge social media following. That's right. Okay. So what is that like? Like with you trying comedy? Uh, I think on Facebook you have like. More than half a million. Uh, uh, all right. Okay. Uh, Twitter, 200,000, 600,000. So what is it like, the difference between doing comedy live? And I also noticed that you do comedy on social media, which could be a very dangerous place. Yeah. So is there anything you could speak to that? You just you just shouldn't pay attention to like the response you get on social media. Okay. Because if you do, the danger, this is going to get a little science fiction-y, but like it is really bad that... Uh, like the algorithm has destroyed everything <laughs> yeah. because what you do as a comedian is like, especially if you're like on social media and you're trying to like grow your brand or whatever is you are writing material for you're writing content for on, on, on social media. And the visibility of that is determined by the algorithm. Uh, and so there's an AI that rewards you with dopamine uh, based on what you tweet based on what you say and like what kind of response you get, the goal of which is to increase engagement. Um, and en engagement could be, uh, isn't always healthy. It could be negative, it could be evil, it could be whatever. And so there's this AI that's like, that's like puppeting you. And that's what a lot of people are doing 
right now is you're creating content for the algorithm. That's who you're writing for. Whereas if I'm here at this audience, I'm writing material and I'm performing it for you, right? There's human beings here who I'm performing for. And like, so that has to be your focus. And that's, that has to be like, you know, uh, like that's th like, this has to be where I get my dopamine, right? You know, yeah, like yeah, this yeah. has to be making people laugh in person. You brought some, right? Because it's not, it's not that hard to like game the algorithm, figure out what to write in order to increase engagement. You might not even, and, and you'll drift. You'll be like, I'm going to say this stuff to be outrageous just to like get a response, even though I don't really believe it. But like do that enough and get the dopamine flowing doing that, you'll start believing it. Like, because that's useful for you, you know, and that's that's really dangerous. So is it that that's a great I, I'm asking you for questions. I'm going to keep asking them. Right. Catholic. I know humility isn't like a false humility thing, but yeah, like you're a famous Catholic. Yeah. Is it is it like sometimes a child like you have fans like. Sure. What's that like? But that's like, true. Okay. I mean, like, so like those are just facts. And okay. like so like it took me a long time to get over like false humility. Like I grew up being told that like being confident about yourself and like saying what you were good at was pride was prideful and that's not true by the way it's really hard to get over that but that's that's just the virtue of magnanimity like if a, a magnanimous person is someone who is confidently uh it, like magnanimity joseph pieper says uh it, it's it's the desire for great things and to be worthy of them and so a magnanimous person a virtuous person is just matter of fact about his ex like what he's excellent at Right. I'm good at this. I can make strangers laugh, which is what being a comedian is like. I can make strangers laugh. Uh, I can write. I can do all this stuff really well. There's other things that I'm not good at. And like so humility is having an accurate view of yourself. And it's it's like this is, again, like Joseph Pieper says, like th like it, it's 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 understanding yourself as a creature. Right. And it's your relation to God that you are a creature in relation to God. And it's not about putting yourself down or falsely saying that you're not good at something when you are good at it, right? And so when it comes to humility, for me, it's more about, like, how can I be, like, a better friend to the audience? Mm. How can I be a better friend to fans? Like, how can I be a better friend to other comics, like, you know, to parishes, whatever, like, and serve them that way? But, like, believing good things about myself is, like, you know, I, I, just, I just got it, like, like, two years ago got over that, that you know, block. Yeah. And it's, it's so toxic because, like, you, you know, it, it'll prevent you from holiness. It'll prevent you from, like, being the best that you could possibly be. And it, it'll, it'll prevent you from, like, desiring the best for yourself, which is friendship with God. And so you, if, if you, like constantly sabotage yourself by like thinking false things about you okay all right well that th magnanimity is that what it's Ma called? magnanimity like Magnum a, ma a magnanimous man amen I, another word i, I don't know pulsanimity which is which is being like magnanimity is like being like broad-chested i don't know it's like it's like being uh-huh it's like and then what's con the other? confidence like a pulsanimous person is like a petty person who uh like who who does not desire the best for himself? 
Uh, that's probably me. So anyway, uh, no, uh, that was a joke. Do you know any other priest comedians, by the way, just like in any, like, every priest thinks they're funny. No, no, but like a stand up. (laughs) That's one thing I resent about priests is like, I have, I have a priest who's very funny, right? My priest, but in Charleston's funny, but like he'll, he'll say a joke in the homily and I'm like, okay, but like everyone has to be here like on, on pain of mortal sin. That's that's a big that's a big get. Like I wish I could do that with like everyone has to come to my show or you go to hell. <laughs> Unless no. you have a good reason, like no. you're sick, you know, or like whatever. All right. Well, we're not in church, and I I hope I can't force you. I hope you watch my act because I want to know what you yeah, yeah. legitimately, honestly think. I want honest feedback. So it has been an honor, though. I'm nervous Thank to uh, open for you. It's been an absolute honor to have you on. I'm grateful. Uh, yeah, just your courage and your witness and. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, appreciate I love the it. course. Appreciate and you all everything. listening. And uh, yeah, thank you for being here. We're going to have some live comedy pretty Thanks soon. For the dopamine. Yeah. Appreciate all right. It. Do me a favor. Uh, go subscribe for a Holy Mess podcast. Like it. Leave a review and share it with your friends. All right. God bless you. Thank you, Catholic Man Show, for making this happen. Stephen Garone, the Catholic Comedy Festival. Yep. Peace. Cool.